Assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome back to Nurain the Two Lights podcast. My name is Sumaya and this is Asil. And this is our very first episode after our one year anniversary mark. Um, so if you did not listen to that episode, go back and listen to it. It's a good one. We kind of just give a little recap of our first year podcasting. Um, but today we are going to be answering a question that was asked. So I sound like such an influencer, but I put up a little question box on my Instagram story and I asked, um, for just ideas, suggestions, um, and someone asked us a question that I think maybe a lot of people can actually relate to these days. So the question is, what do you do when your friends repeatedly ask you to help them in something that's haram? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, do you want to start or should I <laughs> start by answering that question? Just in whatever, okay. I guess. Way. So, I mean, I think the approach that I'm going to, okay. So the question was, um, what do you do when some like friends keep repeatedly asking you to do something haram or to help them even in something See, that's haram? Alhamdulillah. I'm going to just say this honestly because that way I'm really transparent. I'm very much an introvert when it comes to certain things. So I don't think I've ever been peer pressured into a situation where I've been asked repeatedly to do something haram. I'm definitely the type that like once I have my mindset like no, like it's not going to happen. So alhamdulillah, I have that barrier. I might not necessarily have experience when responding to this question just because I do tend to keep to myself a little bit. Um, especially like in school settings, because I'm assuming these are people that either are uneducated on the faith or, faith or just straight up non-Muslims. non-Muslim, yeah. um, so in response to the question, I think we should take this to more of like, what does what does bad company do to you? Because my immediate thought would be just don't be around those people or right. try to avoid those people. But I right. understand that that might not be um, doable all the time, you know, especially if it's like people at school or something, yeah. just based off of the circumstances or whatever. Um, so yeah, this is my little disclaimer, I guess, before we start this episode is like, I personally don't have experience with that. Yeah. But I think that when you realize, I think when you come to the conclusion about what bad company does to you, because honestly, if there are people promoting Haram, that means that they're not good company. It's as straightforward as that. Right. So when you realize what they do to you and the mark that they leave on you, you're going to inherently not want to be around those people. So not being peer pressured into doing haram will be a little bit easier, I think. Um, so that's just my initial response before we delve into this topic as a whole. I think that the way that I kind of think about this question is, like you said, maybe you have, someone has like non-Muslim friends or Muslims that aren't necessarily very um, religious but I think about, you know, for example, if you're at school and someone's like, oh my gosh, like, I really like this guy. Can you help me figure out a way to, like, get him to notice me or, you know, help me ask him out or whatever the case may be. Or I want to ask this girl to prom. Can you help me, like, make a poster? Or just, like, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. I think comes to mind almost immediately. Like, you know, when, think about when people things. are at school or just 
even non-Muslim friends that maybe you have at school and they're just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, can you help me think of something to say back to this guy? Like, I really like him, blah, blah, blah. I think it's something that a lot of us experience. I feel like I've definitely been in that position where, like, you'll be in school and someone's like, oh my gosh, like, this guy, like, can you help me? And it's kind of like, oh, you know? So yeah. I think that before we even delve into talking about this idea of bad company, um, like Isim said, you can't necessarily always help it, especially when you're in that school setting or in that work setting. Now, of course, what's in your control is how close you get to a certain person, yeah. right? So if you know that someone is not Muslim, they have completely different lifestyles than you, or they are Muslim and they're not really following the teachings of the faith, or they're continuously asking for your help in something that you're not okay doing, mm -hmm. um, then I think, you know, it's really your choice of how close you want to get to that person. Even yeah. if you're around them, maybe they're in all your classes at school, you still don't have to be absolute best friends with this person. Mm -hmm. So that would be my first thing is like, you can control the amount of, um, I don't know, you can, you can control the, the dynamic. Yeah. You know, if you're not willing to get super close to this person and you're just You'd rather keep them as an acquaintance so that you have someone to talk to, I guess, in school settings or work setting, whatever. Then, okay, but just have that sort of boundary. Um, the second thing is I think that in order to eliminate this problem completely, because the question was repeatedly, yeah. right? She said, what do you do when someone repeatedly asks you? I think that the first time they ask you, you have to really establish um, your faith teachings to this person. Right? So if someone's like, come, you know, make a pride, you know, presentation with me or come to a pride parade with me or let's educate people on pride or whatever. Mm -hmm. Even even when, um, and this is a little bit off topic, but when I was on um, my student council in ninth grade, we used to have a lot of meetings pretty much planning dances. Like that was like all we used to do was plan dances, yeah. plan prom. And I remember our meetings were super early in the morning, and my dad was like, I'm not taking you to meetings so you can plan dances and plan prom. And so that was something that when he said that to me, afterwards in the years when I was, you know, in student council afterwards, um, especially like my past senior year, I made it very clear that I was not helping with any prom related anything. Mm -hmm. And that was just from the beginning. I said, I'm not, I don't really agree with this, so I'm not going to be putting in any effort into planning you know, the prom or doing anything really, um, that has to do with that. So I think that the first time that someone asks you to help them in something that's hot on, you just have to stand up for yourself and establish your beliefs right then and there. Because if you don't do yes. it from the beginning, then honestly, it's not really that person's fault that they keep asking you. That's, that can kind of be on you, you yeah. know, like you can say from the beginning, well, actually in Islam, we don't date and I don't want to support that either. I don't want to support an environment in which you would go, you know, yeah. asking someone out or, or whatnot. Um, so I think it's important to stand up for yourself and for your beliefs first and foremost at the beginning. Just say, you know what, like, if you need any help with anything else, I'm willing to help you if I can. But with this particular thing, our beliefs teach against it. So I can't, or I'm not comfortable helping with this yeah. particular thing. And I think that's a really go good point about establishing yourself and not beating around the bush. I think yeah. that People, as Muslims especially, especially when we're in a public school environment where we might be the only ones wearing hijab, we yeah. might be the only known Muslims, that sometimes whenever people approach you about certain things, we tend to beat around the bush. Yeah. Um, we tend to beat around the bush about 
um, our beliefs because we don't want to feel weird. We don't want to feel left out. We don't want to feel different. And I think that's something that happens to a lot of people. It's just more of like, oh, you know, people are finally starting to approach me, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to seem like I'm I'm odd. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be alienated and all of these things. So we'll beat around the bush like, oh, you know, we don't necessarily do that. We like even the term like date to marry. Like we don't date to marry. And that bothers me so much. (laughs) But that's people's simple response to, oh, I don't date. We date to marry. Like, no, that's not the truth. That's not the case. You need to be wholeheartedly honest. And I think that's the first step when it comes to these situations is that if you establish yourself in the very beginning and be very clear you know, like, honestly, um, in Islam, we don't support X, Y, and Z because of X, Y, and Z, you know, yes. A, B, and C, or whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, I'd appreciate it if you would just respect my beliefs, but like Samaya said, and but boundaries. I can do this, yeah. X, Y, you know, anything, you know, whatever example it may be. So the first step is establishing your boundaries, but another thing is understanding why. I was about to say And that's something that's really important because I think that this is actually something that was discussed last night at um, a Wednesday halaqa tafsir thing. Uh, Somebody, I don't remember who, somebody in the audience or like person part of the discussion was talking about how we do things ritualistically. Mm -hmm. So he grew up in a Pakistani household or something along those lines and he just did, he saw Islam as rituals. Oh, you pray five times a day. Oh, according to him, you know, in his family, they um, read the Quran once and that was like a big deal and all of these things. But you can't just degrade religion to rituals because when you don't, when you do that, you don't have a clear understanding as to why those quote unquote rituals happen in the first place and you don't understand whether they're right or wrong. And then when people ask you questions or approach you or they put you in these situations where you have to really stand firm with your beliefs, you don't, you can't give an answer as to why. Mm-hmm. I can't be like, oh, we don't date. Well, why? Um, well, just because, like, Allah you know, it, just, which is a valid yeah. reason, of it is, course, but, but it's, like, not the reason that people are necessarily looking for. And when you're in a place where you have to defend your religion, you can't say, well, God just said. They yeah. don't want to hear that. What's the reason? You know, why did God say what he said? Well, also, we live in a society where a lot of people really question, uh, you know, uh, God's existence or religion as a whole is becoming something that is being questioned, like, more than ever. It's so, when you just say, oh, God just says, like, oh, my God, she's just on this mystical, spiritual nonsense, like, you know, stuff for love. But really, people do think like that. So when you don't have... Um, substance behind your argument, then they're just going to keep asking you because they don't see a valid reason to not ask you. They're not going to see it as um, a valid response. They're just going to say, okay, well, like you said, it's kind of this absurd thing. Yeah. Um, And the less knowledgeable that you are, the the more easily you're swayed. Yeah. So if you don't even know why you do certain things, and this same guy yesterday, actually, he brought up a really good point. He said, you know, throughout our childhood and our lives, we're just taught that we love Allah and we love the message of Allah. Peace be upon him. And this is a realization I've been coming to as well, but a lot of us are just, and I'm not saying that I was taught like this, but a lot of people are taught that we just love Allah, we love the messenger, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, but why do we love him? How can you love someone that you don't know much about, you know? How do you love Allah when you don't really even know much about who he is as our God, when you don't know the meaning of his names and his attributes? Because maybe Asif can relate as well, but... 
growing up in Islamic school, we learned, you know, the, the, the name of Allah's song. Like, I can sing yeah, song, I can sing it to you But now. it's like, do I know the exact meaning of and what that encompasses for every single name? I don't. Yeah. And that's why I've been on a journey of trying to figure, you know, to learn more about that too. Um, you know, figure out exactly what these attributes mean because in that way you love Allah more and you actually have a love. It's not just like I'm saying I love him because I'm supposed to love him. Yeah. Same thing with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Like we know certain stories, we know certain qualities, but like do we really know a lot about who he, he, who he was outside of just those instances? Why do we love him? Yeah. What is it that we look up to? So it's so important to have that substance because it, number one, it makes you firm on your beliefs and on your religion and you're not um, as easily convinced that your religion is bogus like all these people are trying to convince you of. Um, And I think that just bringing it back to that point, like when you establish yourself and when you have responses, people are going to start seeing you as not just blindly following. Yes. Because I think to some people they think that, oh, everyone's just blindly following, you know, religion and they're just crazy for believing that God exists and et cetera, et cetera. But when you have knowledge and you're able to not like, oh, let me like look it up real quick, which yeah. is, it's fine if you don't know everything. Like we, none of no us know everything and sometimes yeah. we do have to research and stuff. But if someone asks you a basic question, why do you pray five times a day? Like, why are you stuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's a fundamental, that's a foundation. Right. You have to like, whether or not, I think that people listening to this podcast, everyone for the most part, is at an age where either they are like that's what this podcast is geared towards either they are at an age where they need to be making they need to choose islam for themselves yeah. you know or they're in the process of choosing islam for themselves or you're our moms. <laughs> or you're, our, you're our moms or you're an adult who just really needs sometimes a reminder yeah. you know or anyone but really the whole point yeah. is that you're not a little kid that is just being taught islam at this point you're, you're listening because you chose islam it's as simple as that you right. chose to love it like samaya was saying you cho- you choose to love the prophet you choose to love uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of these things um, I had a really good point and now it's just man why does it always happen it does always happen but it's like ah. it's like come on oh so like Samaya was talking about how you know getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophet and I think that's something that like think about it right when you have a constant when you're constantly talking to someone someone and you're you know seeing someone somebody all the time you're gonna have to develop a connection with that person you're gonna want to tell them things you're going to want to see them more often x y and z right that's what a friend is is someone that you develop a connection with and you want to actually maintain and sustain that connection right so if that's how we are with human beings how do you think we should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know dua is the the one of the strongest spiritual tools why because it's a direct connection to your lord it's like a constant Absolutely. conversation with him and when you become more connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you're going to want to be around those who also want to be more connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know we had that episode mirror mirror on the wall yes. you know and that entire episode was focused primarily on what good friends do to you right. you know why you should have good friends and all of that honestly i haven't listened to the episode in a while but that's what i yes. remember yes. right but um, what does bad company do you? And there's a hadith, and it goes along the lines of having good company is like entering a perfume shop. Either you come out with perfume, or you at least smell better just by being in that company. Bad company is like entering a blacksmith shop. Either you get burned, or you come out smelling bad due to all the smoke on your clothing. So even if you're not necessarily like the person, exactly like the person you're hanging out with, or participating in, you're going to be affected. There is going to be a stain on your clothes. And what's going to happen when you enter a blacksmith's shop? Either you're going to get burnt, right? Or you're going to come out dirty. 
Right. Simple as that. Either you're going to be physically affected where you also participated and you got hurt because that's what happens when you when you participate in haram, right? Especially with other people. Yes. Or you're going to come out and it's still going to influence you. It's still going to be stuck to you in some way, shape, or form. Whether it comes out in your personality, you notice that you start thinking the same way these people do and you start to see the minor sins as something that's... Or major sins as something minor. Right. And then the minor sins is nothing at all. Right. You know? And so that's what bad company does to you. And you really... You have to think about how are these people leaving stains on my heart? You know? So reassessing your yeah. friendships. Now, I'm not saying you can't be friends with non-Muslims. Or no, not at all. You have all. to cut off every single person. But part of this journey of being a Muslim and choosing Islam for yourself is knowing that... And, and this is something also that the Prophet said, said, you are on the religion of your friend. Yes. And that's so true. If your friends have no religion, you have no religion. You're going to start seeing it that same way of, I don't need to believe in God. What has God ever done for me? People think like this. People yeah. think, well, who is God that I should believe in him? And yeah. a lot of people, they think like that. And I think that's why it's so important to, um, like I said earlier, to establish this sort of knowledge base of who Allah is. But besides the point, reassessing your friendships, you are on the religion of your friend. So if you're committed to being a better Muslim, part of that is having to prioritize certain friendships over others. Or yeah. realizing that these people at school, they're not really my friends. They're people that I'm here with at school. I have them to talk to, whatever. But outside of school, are you going to go out with them all the time? Are you going to be with them all the time? Because if they don't have the same values as you, they're going to rub off on you. Yeah. And so finding people and putting yourself in environments where people are actually more likely to be on the dean, like the masjid, you know, maybe trying to get to know people there. Um, so I think reassessing your friendships is um, is very important. And also, just on Asim's point, al-sahibu um, sahib, and that just means that your friend is essentially the one that drags. And you can either drag you or push you even to somewhere good or pushed you to somewhere evil. Yeah. Um, and that is the power of friendships, especially in this time of our lives when you're a teenager, preteen, whatever. Um, you tend to spend a lot of time with your friends. Yeah. You know, you kind of start off at that age where you're just like, ew, family, like, I just want to be with my friends, you know? Um, and, and that's just how it is for a lot of us is we really, we, we want to be around our, our friends a lot. And we want to hang out with them. We want to do things with them. We want to feel independent with them. So it's very important to have people that encourage you and support you to pursue um, Islamic uh, improvement, but not just encourage and support you, people that are going to do it with you yeah, in different ways. So you need to have friends that are role models to you, and you need to be role models to your friends. And I think that that is just a very good um, sort of thing to keep in mind. You know, like, if you're the best person in every room, like, you need to be in a different room. Yeah. You, you know? shouldn't be the smartest one in the Exactly. Room. Yeah. So. You know, you need friends that, I've said this before in, the, like, a previous episode, but you need friends that are going to be there for you and also sometimes make the situation uncomfortable. Sometimes have to give you good advice, you know, good advice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they care about you and they care right. about your akhirah and that's what matters most and you were talking about this concept of environment yeah. and I think that's something that plays such a big role because even if you're not necessarily close with the people in that environment that environment dictates a lot yes. about how you're going to behave and how you're going to react and how you are it shapes you your environment shapes you it's not necessarily just the people it's where you're at right so for example you can go into a bar 
and not participate at all. like not participate at all you're not conversing at all or anything but just the fact that you are in that setting is shaping you in some way shape or Absolutely. form Absolutely. you know you yeah. exactly <laughs> why are you there in the first place when you go to the masjid even if you're just sitting there and you're observing you know, you're going to feel more inclined to do the activities that are happening at the masjid. You yes. see someone sitting in, uh, sitting in the quarter reading Quran, another person in sujood, X, Y, and Z. You know, little kids going outside and playing in the playground. You know, that's the environment you want to put yourself in. So even if you're not necessarily actively participating, you're still still being influenced, you know? when You know, because that's what becomes accustomed to you. That's what becomes normal to you. You know, even if you're not participating in the sin of a bar or whatever's going on inside drinking, that drinking, right. dancing, all of these things, um, just you being there, the shaitan is going to want to influence you, right? Yeah. So you have to build yourself up. And I saw this thing and I heard this, I don't know if it's a hadith or if it was a, a quote by a scholar, but it was something along the lines of like every person has a shaitan, you know, but the person that does sin, that has a dead heart or that sins, that, that shaitan becomes their most intimate companion, mm. that the one that's chained to them. Right. And honestly, to me, that's so scary because the shaitan, unlike good friends, wants harm for you, doesn't want anything good for you. Right. It's trying to take you away from the remembrance of right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, and so I'm not just talking about like the literal, literal shaitan. I'm talking about the people in your life, those that actually take you away from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Because they can manifest as shaitan. Yes, exactly. Like, you know? It's not just you know like the concept of shayatin as we know it. People can right. also be yes. shayatin to us, yes. and we we have to be aware of that. We have to think about what are people's intentions. You know, what are their goals? You know, are they actually focused on Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? Do they have a routine of uh? The, uh, of like the remembrance of Allah in their lives you know do they like x y and z all of these questions you really need to think about these people like okay if the answer is no to the majority of the questions and that means you need to find a new friend yes simple as that and what's what's important to you if the yeah. religion is important to you then you want to surround yourself with people who also feel that the religion is important to them I mentioned this in another episode I think it might have been one of our last couple of episodes but you want to be amongst the people that Allah loves, but you also want to make dua that Allah places you in the company of people that He loves yes. and that they love Him. And that's the only way, really. It's one of the most major ways mm -hmm. that spiritual growth is going to happen. When your friends go to the masjid, you're like, you know what, I want to go too. Yeah. You know, when your friends are encouraging you to, I'm not, whatever, you know, let's read an Islamic book together, let's listen to an Islamic lecture together, a podcast. When you see your friends doing these things, it allows you to be more inclined to do that as well. We had a friend that recently put the hijab on. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that like we were the, the sole reason that she did that. But she told us that, you know, because she had seen some of her friends wearing the hijab, she was more inclined to do it. She felt more inspired to do it. So that's that's the, the, um, the beauty of friendships. And it can be a beauty, but it can also be... A very grave danger yeah. right and you get to pick that's the thing it's not on anyone else it's on you you get to pick if you feel like you're uncomfortable in situations where people are continuously asking you to help them with something haram either you have to really just establish your boundaries once and for all and say I don't appreciate being asked this kind of a question because of X Y and Z and if people are still not listening then it's time it's time to look somewhere else because a friend, and this is something that so many people do not want to understand, so many Muslims, 
a friend in this life is someone who does not just care about you here. Yeah. Okay, they don't just care about your well-being here. And they should, of course, they should care about how you're doing here. And they should be there for you and be there to help you, etc. But a real true friend that loves you for the sake of Allah is someone who wants you in Jannah with them. Yes. That is what a real friend, they don't just care about you here, they care about your akhirah. So like Asid was saying, these kinds of friends are willing to put you in uncomfortable situations where they're calling you out and they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you need to wake up and you need to realize that this is not okay. People that are going to call you out on your mistakes and help you get out of them. So if you're not finding that in your friendships, then I think it's 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 uh, it's time to look for, for people that are going to give that to you. They don't just care about you here. They care about you literally forever. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think just, you know, imagining the joys of being able to have a great friend or multiple amazing friends in this life and then being able to see them in paradise and and you're like oh my gosh like we worked so hard together and now we're here um there are a couple of quranic verses that i want to bring up so this is one that we may have mentioned in the last episode mirror mirror on the wall that one was uploaded back in like september of last year or something so it's It's been been a a while. while But in Surah Zukhruf, and I don't know which ayah it is, but Allah says um, that the closest of friends, people that were the closest of friends in this world, are going to be the greatest of enemies on the day of judgment, yes. except for the righteous. Yes. And I just like want that to take a second. Like, let that sink in. People that you were so close to in this life, that you would do anything for, that you would tell anything to, that you did everything with, they are going to be your worst enemy mm-hmm. on the day of judgment, except for the righteous friends. Now, why is that? Well, it's because if your friendships were not bringing you closer to Allah, then they have no value. Yes. They really don't. Yeah. And that's a hard pill to swallow for some people. But someone is going to be your worst enemy because they encouraged you to do something wrong. And because you went with it. Or you encouraged people to, um, to do something wrong. And... And they went with it. And so um, I think that that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, and then another story. So there's a story in Surah Aslafat about um, the people of Jannah and the people of Jahannam. And it's a dialogue that essentially is happening between these two people. And so this person that's in heaven, he says, Inni kana li I used to have this really close companion. You know, I used to have this really close friend in this life. And he used to tell me, he said, He used to tell me all the time, do you really believe? Like, do you really believe in the next ayah? Do you really believe that we're going to die and we're going to become dust and we're going to become bones and that we're going to be resurrected? Like, do you really think that's going to happen? And so this friend is putting in all, the, all these doubts in this person. And so this, uh, this friend now in, in Jannah that was, you know, on the receiving end of these questions, he, he's asking Allah, like, what, what happened? What happened yeah. to, to my friend? And Allah says, He's like, do you guys want to see? And so they look, and they see this person, this one that was questioning, and, and all this stuff. They see him in the midst of the hellfire. They see him being tormented in the midst of the hellfire. And I think the next ayah is so beautiful, because this friend in Jannah, he says um, that you almost ruined me. He said, by Allah, you almost ruined me. Which means that all of these doubts that you were trying to put into my heart, all these 
questions and, and it's not questioning in like a way of I'm trying to learn more. It's questioning out of arrogance. It's questioning yes. out of denial. It's not, oh, can you tell me about what Islam believes? Because there's nothing wrong with that. But it's this person who's trying their best to put doubts into your heart and who's like, you're so stupid for believing, etc. And and the person in Jannah, he looks at this person in the hellfire and he says, you almost ruined me. Yeah. So you, first of all, don't want to be the friend in the hellfire, but you also don't want to surround yourself by people who almost ruined you, you know? Yes. You don't want to be that person either. And that's really powerful, I think. And yeah. that kind of, you're talking a lot about the different types of friends and the different and what they bring to you. And so scholars have narrowed down the different types of company. And to give a simplified version, there's four different types. Those are like those who are like medicine, and these are the people mm. that you need to survive and need to thrive. You know, these are the friends that have knowledge, the ones that want to continue to help you build your knowledge base and encourage you to learn more. These are the friends that you need. You need a friend of knowledge. You know, someone that's willing to seek and gain knowledge with you and oh no those are these are the friends of like air i'm sorry now the friends those like medicine are those who you go to whenever you have a problem or a dilemma you need someone there that is going to help you through things help talk you through things you know like yes you can rely on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all you want but like we said we need those friends who are going to give you nasiha that are going to give you good advice so you can continue to to do your best for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake, right? And then though there are those that are like poison and they're, they're obsessed with things, these worldly gains of wealth, money, power, etc. Essentially, they take you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And then those there are those that are like doom itself. Then the, basically, essentially, they believe in, they fall into the realm of they believe in bid'ah and shirk, mm. you know, and all of these things. So you really need to think about it. Like, also think about yourself right do i want to be that friend that's like air and medicine who helps my other friends get through things or do i want to be their poison the one that almost doomed me you know the one do you want to be that person and so i think that's something that we really have to think about is what categories do our friends fall into how do they help us are are they even helping us or are they really poisoning poisoning us through their interactions from the inside out right and if you feel like they are then you need to find, you need to step back and you need to think about your akhirah, right? Yes. And tell them, you know, and if you think that you can guide them, then guide them with you. Yes. Try your best. Yes. Don't just abandon people. We're not saying that at all. We don't burn bridges. I think that's something that my dad taught me from when I was very young is don't burn a bridge. Mm. You know, try your best to bring that person along with you. You know, try. But if that if it, that's not the case and it's just consistent reminding you of and wa- wanting to do haram with you and trying to encourage you into that, then you need to let go. You need to take a step back. Right. You know? And always right. be there like, okay, I'll be there if you ever need me. You know? But at the same time, this is not going to work. You, you have first. to put you first. You <laughs> yeah. have to put your akhirah first because yes. that's eternal. Absolutely. You know? And so we're talking about this remembrance. And I think that's something that's so important is having remembrance in your heart. You know? And so I always think about this whenever we're recording Nurain episodes or whenever we're just sitting in a gathering. But there's a hadith that goes along the lines of whenever people gather for to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the angels come and they fill the space between the heaven and the earth, mm. right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, says if even one person joins that gathering, you know, regardless of the sins that they may have, or the sin, even if they're not intentionally there in the first place, but they join, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive that person, mm. you know, if they join later. And I think that's something that is so beautiful because you see the effect that a, that a friend, a good friend in a good company has. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is willing to forgive your sin just by you being surrounded by these people. Just because you're you're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with them. 
you know so I think that's just something so beautiful and I always remind myself that and there's another hadith that goes along the lines of the one who remembers Allah and the one who doesn't is like the difference between the living and the dead absolutely and you know that just that really really impacts me a lot because turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deprives you of your oxygen your spiritual oxygen it takes you away you don't have any more spiritual insight whatsoever because you you don't have that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so how are you supposed to see any how are you supposed to see the reflection and the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his creation if you don't have the spiritual insight in the first place absolutely you know you might still be physically living but your heart is dead yes and you don't want a dead heart you know and so I think that's something you have to remember. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to these people in the Qur'an, the ones with dead hearts, the ones who have turned away from him and his remembrance as those that are deaf, dumb, and blind. Yes. Do you want to be the poison? Do you want to be deaf, dumb, and blind? Do you want to be surrounded by those that are your poison and that into Allah's eyes are deaf, dumb, and blind? Is that what you want? Because your life is going to be really hard if, if, that, if that's the fate that you have set for yourself or the fate that you have set for yourself by being surrounded by those deaf, dumb, and blind. You know, so I just think that's something that we really, really need to take into consideration are the characteristics that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala associates with those that are righteous and the gatherings of the righteous and the gatherings of those that are that aren't, you yes. know, and what they do to you. Yes. And there's um, there is a page in certain Ma'idah that talks about yeah. who we should take as our awliya. And essentially your awliya are your, your protectors in a way, uh, your guardians, um, and of course, Allah is our wali. And yes. he, he tells us that in the Quran as well. Allah is our ultimate protector mm-hmm. and guardian. Um, but he tells us specifically not to take the disbelievers as our awliya. Yes. And he tells us that instead our awliya are Allah, his messenger, and the people that believe, the people who pray and make zakat, right? Among other things, of course, these are the people that are humble. And he says, whoever takes Allah, his messenger, and the people that believe as their awliya, then indeed Allah's uh, group of people essentially are the winners. And so I think that it's so important to also recognize, like, you want to be a part of that group. You should. You, you should yes. want to be um, a part of that particular group of people who took Allah and his messenger and the other believing men and women as their awliya and not the people who disbelieve, not the people who took this uh, religion is just play and amusement, yeah. um, not the people who don't believe, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think that something else that I, I want to bring up in this episode is this idea, a lot of people, and I'm talking now more about Muslims, there are a lot of Muslims that do things nowadays that are just uh, very, very much so not part of our deen, or they are just more major sins, and we see this happening a lot, of course. And the thing is, of course, no judgment to these people. You know, it's Islamically not acceptable to judge anyone because that, yes. that is Allah's job and not ours. We don't look down upon people. Mm-hmm. But I think the issue comes in where you have some people who end up doing something wrong. And then they have a friend who actually tries to advise them. You have a friend that tells them, hey, man, like, I don't think what you're doing is, is okay. And then these people almost always have the same response of, who are you to judge me? Don't judge me. Leave me alone. Don't try to tell me all these things. And I think that, first of all, if you're one of these people that tell someone that, you need to realize how 
incredible your friend is. Yeah. Like, you need to realize how important, like, that person is not just looking out for you here. They're looking out for you in the akhirah. That like, is... you have the most valuable of friendships, and you're just trying to throw it away and tell this person to leave you alone. Like, that yeah. is ridiculous, and that's the response of so many people nowadays. Like, their friend will try. Yeah. They have a friend that actually tries, but then they're not willing to listen to the friend, or they're, yeah. they're wanting to now turn it, and now it's, it's the friend's... It's the friend's fault. Leave me alone. What are you doing? Yeah. Now you're a bad Muslim for, quote unquote, judging me. It's called pointing fingers. You know, if your yeah. family and your friends are trying to advise you, you got to take that advice. They're not trying to point. And you know what? The reason why people feel very offended when people try to help them is because they know they're doing something yes. wrong. Like, you don't get defensive unless you know no, you're, you're doing, doing something wrong. wrong. So I think it's just so crazy. But really, like, recognize that if you have a friend that's willing to make things a little bit uncomfortable and to advise you like you've won the friendship lottery like come on so don't push those people away don't push those people away like i've been saying this like you know having a friend who is willing to give you nasiha or like you know this advice sincere good advice um those are the best of friends and they are really the core allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the core of that friendship right but if you're not reciprocating that same energy, first of all, I'm sorry, but they deserve better. If you are in a situation where that friend really just wants to give you that sincere advice, that just wants to help you in your akhirah, but you don't care about their akhirah the way that they care about yours, it means you're the, you're the wrong in the situation and that they deserve a better friend. They deserve you to be better because you're not willing to put in the same effort for their akhirah. They're not putting in the same level of care. You want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be the core of your friendship. So if one friend is giving sincere advice, it's only fair that you give sincere advice back. And that you care about their hereafter just as much, if not more, of how they care about your hereafter. You know, and you have to realize that true friendship, and this is a quote that I heard one time, but true friend, true, well, it said true love, but I'm going to change it to true friendship brings about inner peace, not inner torment. It brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's something that we have to realize is that if you are in a friendship, and you just feel like you're not at peace with yourself and you're not at peace with God because of this friendship and because of the acts or the conversations or whatever the case may be because of this friendship, it's not a true friendship. And it's not something that you should hold on to and keep, you know? It's something yeah. that you need to move on from. You need to find a, a friend and, and a, a heart that understands you. You know, and there's this quote that's going on around everywhere nowadays. And it's in... I. I understand it a little bit, but it's like, you know, and it's talking about a completely different topic, but I'm going to kind of tie it in here. But it's like, you know, I want to find a soul that 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 understands me, that speaks my language. I don't have to spend a lifetime um, translating it. And I think that's something so beautiful that you can apply to your friendships because you want someone that has a heart who loves the things that you love and dislikes the things that you dislike and has that pure love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, you need a friend that is on that same language as you, that understands as you do and is on that level of faith as you, whether in some areas are stronger and some areas are weaker and vice versa, right? But you need someone that is on that same path, you know? It will be, because otherwise there's a language barrier. It would be really hard if I only spoke English and somebody only spoke Mandarin. We would have a really difficult friendship. Why? Because there's no communication whatsoever, right? But if we both speak the same language, we both understand each other, 
and you know, we're talking good things, then there's going to be so much barakah and so many beautiful blessings that come out of those friendships, right. you know? So I think that's something you have to keep in mind is what is my friendship producing? What's coming out of it? What's do, what is it doing, what is for, it doing me? for me? And what is and it? What, for the other yes, as well. exactly. Yeah. Like, for example, if we were doing Nurein and Sumaya was on this level of just like, you know, she has a sincere devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and she's trying her best and I'm over here just like, you know, I mean, yeah, eh, I don't really care. I mean, right. it's just like whatever. Do you think that Nurain would be what it is right now? Do you Absolutely think that Allah Taala would have given us any barakah whatsoever right. with just this little mic and computer that yeah. is in between the two of us? No, you know, you have those friendships that produce things, that help build things, that do things for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and you can proudly say, "I love that person for the sake of Allah." Yes. And even if I have to tell them something that might make it uncomfortable, I have to do something that might make it uncomfortable. I care about that person so incredibly much. I don't want to see them hurt, and so I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna say this, and you might not like it. But it's the truth. Yeah, and absolutely. you'll know that a true friend is going to take it and is yes. going to ex- respect you for it. Yes. Oh my God, do you know the amount of times like, Samaya will say things to me and in the moment it might not necessarily hurt, but it's just the truth of the situation and I have to accept and vice it. Versa, right. You know, and it's and it's advice that I keep to my core and I really, really appreciate and value it. Yeah. So in the moment it might be hard for her to bring up, but it's made me a better person. Same. You know, so I think that's something that you have to keep in mind is if you have a friend that doesn't want to listen to you and just wants to take the advice that only benefits them and their perception of this world, you really need a new friend. I think that, see, this is a thing that's a very slippery slope because you can have a friend who is like your closest friend and they've been on that same wavelength as you for a very long time. And then um, all of a sudden they fall into something. And you try to advise them, and they're just not willing to listen to your advice. It's a slippery slope because it's like, yeah. okay, at what point do I stop advising because this person is not listening to me? At what point do I step away while also trying to be there for this person to help them make them better? Like, I need to step away because I'm afraid now I'm going to get influenced by this, right? But also, I want to be there for this person so that I can help bring them back, help guide them, help maybe make a difference in their life. So... It's a very slippery slope. I would say it depends on yeah. the friend. It depends um, on the circumstance. And the circumstance, of course. But I think just going back and wrapping up even, just going back to what Asita was saying, like, don't, uh, seriously, and take this and, and keep it in your heart, don't look down upon a friend who's just trying to help you. Yeah. And if they're trying to help you in the cause of Allah, like, that's the ultimate kind of help. Don't push those people away and don't be that friend's poison. Yes. Because if you continue doing something, even after your friend is advising you and now your friend is maybe becoming more okay with what you're doing because he's just you know they're still around you whatever now you are leading this person astray yeah. and now you have the sins of this person and yours as well yeah so it's very hard and it's not you know we're not to say everyone falls into sin but there's a difference between keeping your sins private and trying to work on them and receiving the advice of your friends without making a big deal out of it there's a difference between that versus blatantly outwardly sinning and pushing everybody else away and saying you can't judge me yeah and you know this is a like random tangent but when people say only Allah can judge me they're trying to push your friend away but like yeah Allah's the one that's gonna judge you like that's and the one just that's the one being that you exactly. don't want to judge you for this right now like you don't need that and people <laughs> use that as a justification to right. for what they're doing because they can't see Allah SWT. they can't yes. they can't physically hear him and what he's actually saying to you these people are 
reminding you. They oh are the God, reminder from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think that's exactly. something so interesting is that it's like, and I heard this analogy one time, but it's like a doctor who prescribes a patient medicine and that patient refuses to take it. Of course, mm. the doctor's not getting affected whatsoever. Right. It's the patient that's getting hurt. The patient's right. getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Right. Allah ta'ala is self-sufficient. Right. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need us to listen to him. Really, it's all about ourselves. And if it's, a, it's for us, right? Yeah. And if you're just ignoring everyone's advice who Allah is sending to you as medicine, as a reminder... You know, because everything happens for a reason and everything, anything, only, everything happens according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will. You know, they're there for a reason. They're reminding you for a reason. But if you're blatantly choosing to ignore it, first of all, that's arrogance in your heart. And a person with even a mustard seed worth of arrogance is not entering, uh, was not entering Jannah, you know. And second of all, you're oppressing yourself. It says it in the Quran. Those are those, those are those who oppress themselves. They do it to themselves. Yes. And do you really want to do that? Do you want to oppress your own heart right. and your own your own soul? You know, yeah. so you just you really have to think about that and yeah. just remind remember. I just think it's yeah. so interesting that people say, "Yeah, only Allah can judge me." It's like, yeah, you're going to be standing in front of Allah, and He's gonna say, "Oh, did you do this?" And you can't say no. It's like you want to fix your actions before Allah judges you. Yeah. Like seriously, so stop using that as an excuse because Allah will judge you, and you don't want. Him to judge you for a sin that you never were able to rectify before you died. And I think so. another thing, sorry, this is just one more point I have, but sometimes people are afraid of letting go friends that they know are bad for them. And what I mean by bad is they're encouraging them to do haram. They don't care yes. about they don't care about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and his um, his commandments and all of these things. And they don't really have a desire to learn about Islam the same way you do. But sometimes you have to realize that distancing yourself might seem difficult at first, but really health. And like alone time and just having silence, honestly, those are the two biggest blessings. Because yeah. when you are healthy, you can use that time, that free time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided you with to get closer to Him. And when yeah. you choose to get closer to Him, even if you might not have anyone else to rely on because you chose to distance yourselves from those people for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then He will bring you something so much better. He will bring you a friendship that is so much better. So if you're afraid to let go because you're like, oh, I have no one else, yeah. Well, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to provide you with better. You and just need will. to turn to him and, and you just need to be patient. Will. That you know? was my experience yeah. too. Like Allah absolutely will replace what is taken from you or what is lost with something just much, so better. much better. So, you know, just to wrap this up, um, if you haven't already, listen to our episode Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. Um, it's kind of, this was kind of an extension of that, I suppose. Yeah. It gives the opposite perspective almost of like what, good friends do to you and how do you view the world world when you have good people in your life um so be sure to check that out and any other pointers before i, I close just off just reassess where you're at with your friendships what's important to you reprioritize and educate uh, don't yourself don't forget to establish yourself and defend your beliefs yeah and yeah. In the process of defending your beliefs, make sure you're always on a pursuit of knowledge and always on a pursuit of educating yourself more and more. So that way when people do approach you and you have to establish your beliefs and they ask the simple human question of why, you can actually provide a somewhat of an answer. A sufficient answer. A sufficient answer that, you know, just the foundation, you know, and then just remember everything you do is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and incorporate remembrance of Allah and everything that you do in your life and you'll end up gravitating towards people who do the same. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. Inshallah, you will hear from us next time. Where's the button?